Welcome to the Adkin Exam. My name is Jonathan Gaylord, the pastor at Yadkinville United Methodist Church. And normally the Adkin Examine is a time for us to look back at the week that has been and reflect upon uh, God's work in our lives using the lens of the sermon from Sunday and the scripture that we heard. However, um, I, Jonathan Gaylord, am out of town right now. And so uh, I'm joined today by Kevin Towers, our Duke uh, Divinity intern, who is, by the time this airs, uh, back at Duke. So we went ahead and pre-recorded this uh, back early, in, not early, back in July, uh, so that you would have something in your feeds this week. And kind of what we're going to do is we're going to answer some questions that you have given to us, and we're just going to have a, a conversation about Paul and those things that haven't made it into sermons, the things that we found interesting, uh, maybe a little bit of discussion about the resources we've used uh, in, in crafting sermons about Paul, and just kind of have some fun uh, talking about Paul and Paul's life. So, hi, Kevin. Hey, Jonathan. <laughs> so let's start off with, what's the experience of preaching on Paul been like for you? Um, well, preaching on Paul has been a tougher experience than I've preached on in the past, the letters of Paul have are just so debated and so controversial at times and so to get all the material I needed for the sermons it's taken me a lot more in-depth study to make sure I understand the convoluted argument that Paul's making in a letter or what the the background is for the community that he's writing to to make sure I I understand where where he's trying to go and what what parts may be more specific to who he's writing to and what can be more generalized to us. Yeah, so you, you preached on Galatians 6, and what was the other one? Second um, Corinthians 8, I think. All right, well, <laughs> I'm sure somebody will go back and check. Um, was there anything similar you, you ran across in trying to write those two sermons, or...? Were they different enough? Because we know Paul is writing to different communities or going through different things. Were they different enough or were they similar enough? What, uh, what was the, the line connecting them? Well, the, yeah, the themes of them were very different. Um, so by Second Corinthians, Paul has talked with them several times and has a lot more either familiar with them or comfortable calling them out on things um, than in Galatians. But I think they both had a similarity, and on a first read-through, it seemed like Paul's argument was going in a different direction than he's he ends up going. Um, so where at face value of Second Corinthians, he's he's just telling them to give more money it it mm -hmm. seems when you dive more into it, he's talking more about changing his entire view of salvation and how Jesus works in that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. We're in Galatians. It it's you you step into a interesting argument between works and faith and mm -hmm. how that flows. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the interesting things when you come to Paul is that. Um, in the Gospels, you've got even so, like self-contained in Matthew, you've got 
Matthew trying to tell a single story about really a single person uh, in Jesus and Luke, you've got the same and Mark, you've got the same. They all have kind of their own spin, but even then like the, the stories are kind of progressing along with each other. John kind of takes it somewhat in a different direction, but he's still like telling one story about one person. And then what Paul's doing is so, so different and that Paul is taking that story as he knows it and kind of taking the theology that is born out of kind of Jesus's parables of Jesus's life, Jesus teaching, Jesus's death, Jesus's resurrection. Uh, Paul's taking all of this stuff and kind of not only taking a step into like kind of turning it into theology, but then taking an additional step of turning it into applied theology. So like, this is, this is what Jesus's death and resurrection means for you in your life. And not only in your life, but in your particular church in Corinth, uh, that's been going through this very particular thing. And so in, in some ways, like reading Paul, you have to like read back uh, two or three layers that you don't have to necessarily in the gospels. Like there's still layers to the gospel, like understanding the context and understanding all this stuff. But in Paul, you're, you're have to, having to read back through multiple layers of like the moves Paul is making uh, before you can even begin to get to kind of his theology of whatever it is he's talking about, right? I think that um, one of the things that we run into in, in theology in general is like this desire to kind of put all of Paul's theology into a workable system. But Paul doesn't have like a, a single workable system of theology. Like he has what he believes about Jesus and he's constantly applying it. And no, nowhere does Paul sit down and write like, this is my, uh, this is what I believe about God uh, from creation to, to the end of time. Like, like you would find in modern theology, but we really want that for Paul, but Paul just doesn't do it because that's not what Paul's doing. So it's, it's an interesting, like trying to pull at these threads, um, which is also kind of where we get into trouble. And we'll talk about this in a little bit, but also where we kind of get in trouble when we then try to apply what Paul said to a community in uh, Galatia in uh, first century try to apply that to what is Paul saying to us today because it's not a apples and oranges translation and say you have to step back what is Paul what's at the basis of what Paul's saying what is going on around Paul and then how do you then apply that to, to today yeah but it's also interesting to see that Paul's arguments kind of change throughout his letters like and so it seems kind of like Paul's working out his own theology mm -hmm. and while he doesn't tell us like everything that he believes from start to finish but you can see throughout his letters that they kind of conflict in a way that he's developed it more um so it's hard to to generalize that out to us especially when they're so contextual and like is that is his is this change a a change in how he thinks his theology should work or is it a contextual change? Yeah, like I had the same theology the whole time and now I'm applying it to a different situation or is it, nope, something happened and like now I think differently about this thing. Which like for us in the, in the world of Methodism descended from John Wesley, like John Wesley does the same thing like where he's preaching to different, context into different groups at different times in his ministry but he's also like keeping this journal and we have his entire journal 
and we have his entire journal where uh, we can go back and say, okay, this thing happened in John Wesley's life and it made him develop his thought around perfection or around justification or around whatever it is. And so he comes out the other side preaching and talking a little bit differently about the same topic. And so we just don't know, like, where is that happening in Paul? Is Paul, like, encountering someone who's really challenged him and where he's, or ha has had this kind of divine experience where, like, now he believes something slightly different or his thoughts developed? Or is he just, like, the church in Corinth needs to hear a different thing than the church in Thessalonica? And it's the same undergirding theology. And that's one of those places in kind of biblical studies where we're, we're really never going to be able to get back to fully understanding, like, well, what's going on in Paul's life? Because Paul, if he was keeping a journal, none of the churches thought, like, it was worth passing on. Um, and I don't know that any of John Wesley's journals are, were worth passing on other than uh, it was just 1,700 years later and the preservation technology was better. We had the printing press. So, like, uh, but, like, no one thought, like, if Paul was writing everything down, uh, which he's not, no one thought to save it, so like we don't know where those changes are. Yeah. So in all of your sermonizing, uh, was there anything that you were like, man, I really wish I could talk about this in my sermon, but then didn't get a chance to? Well, I think in the in my recent sermon on Galatians six, um, I. W at the, at one point, I wanted to dive more into the the relationship between first century Judaism and Christianity, mm -hmm. or what we now know as Christianity. But as I as I progressed more into the sermon, I realized right, I moved more away from that, and still part of it got into the sermon. But um, there, I've I encountered a lot on what how does that affect paul's argument mm -hmm. and like what if paul is still practicing judaism and writing from a place of that what is paul's real move here mm -hmm. um not a lot of that can really show up well in a sermon and it gets tedious with um just yeah how knowing what we know now about the relationship between Christianity and Judaism for the past two millennia um, becomes a thin line of not wanting to show that Christianity has now replaced Judaism, but came out of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the avoiding supersessionism, which is the idea that Jesus, like God was with the Jews, then Jesus came and everything changed, and like everything God did before is now now a moot point uh not wanting to do supersessionism but then also like there are real differences in the first century that are developed that have developed and are developing in the person of jesus that then get kind of pulled out as paul and and peter's mission to the gentiles kind of goes off like what is the how, how do gentiles fit into kind of this schema because before gentiles are introduced like you could have like this very jewish um sect that existed alongside the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots and uh, the Essenes, uh, who are all kind of different sects within Judaism. Um, but then once you kind of start introducing Gentiles into that, um, especially um, Gentiles that you don't first require to become Jewish or undertake uh, what's called proselyte conversion, circumcision, um, 
if you're not requiring circumcision, then what is that? You're creating some some sort of marked difference in the community. Uh, and so how do you express, like, there are real differences and there are real divergences and um, without, like, saying Jesus came and now everything that happened before is 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 wrong or it doesn't count anymore. And so like, that's just a thin, thin line to walk because I, th- I think both of those things are true. I think like Jesus came as part of what God was doing and the way that we as Christians interpret the person of Jesus and then like read Jesus through a particular, read the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew Bible through a particular lens uh, is different from how uh, first century Jewish uh, writers and how modern Jewish theologians uh, read the same text. And a lot of um, anti-Semitism and a lot of a lot of uh, oppression and a lot of hate has come out of how Christians uh, interpret the person of Jesus and interpret the person of Paul and then use that very particular lens to read back onto the Hebrew Bible. Um, when like I think this is important always to remember too, is that for Paul, this is like an internal debate, right? Like uh, the debate about who Jesus is and the role of Gentiles in the community. Like this is an internal debate within kind of the religion that I don't think Paul ever thought he left. And so it's like Methodists arguing amongst Methodists or Baptists arguing amongst Baptists. Um, And even then, like even when he writes to the church in Rome, even when he is in Jerusalem, uh, there is a sense where, like, uh, as Judaism and Christianity both exist, they both exist as some something of a minority, um, especially in Rome. Like, the Jewish population was larger than the Christian population in Rome, but they're both still minority populations. And in Jerusalem, the you might have reached parity with uh, kind of the Jewish population and the Greek population or the, the Roman population, uh, and the Jewish population might have even been been larger, but at a certain point that doesn't matter because the Jewish population isn't the population that's in charge or has power in the same way that we think of like governance power. Uh, so even when you read back to the, through the Gospels, like the Jewish people are living under Roman occupation. And so like where where you then has to like where's Rome and what's the the power dynamic and what's the social dynamic that's going on, and there's a difference between Paul, kind of in Galatians seemingly lambasting, uh, kind of the Judaizers who have come to the church in Galatia, uh, and cover this in my sermons is that like, the church in Galatia probably learned about Judaism from Paul, so like this might just be a group of gentile believers who like just want an additional initiation ritual who want to have like a physical marker of going deeper in their faith and not like uh, jewish christians or uh, jewish folks from jerusalem or the diaspora who are coming in and telling the christian communities what to do so like there's a lot of power dynamics and a lot of social dynamics that i don't know that we can fully fully unravel um and it's one of those things that like even more so than some of the social stuff in Paul, I think we take for granted um, because we've read it in a very particular way uh, for so long. And really Christian theologians didn't start thinking about kind of the anti-Semitic 
anti-Semitic uh, language they were using around Paul uh, until after the Holocaust, um, when they went back and kind of were like, we kind of gave some of the ammunition to uh, to this and kind of fueled the fire. Um, and so we need to go back and like, is this really what Paul meant? Is this really what Jesus meant? Is this, maybe we should stop using Pharisee as a, is a bad word, um, considering, you know, Jesus and Paul were probably both Pharisees. Yeah, like in the, when I encountered this, the, like the original scholarship on this came about in the 1970s, and it was mm-hmm. starting to unravel, yeah, 1900 years of mm-hmm. interpreting Paul, and now we're left to deal with the pieces of that. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's Yadkin Examine, where Kevin and I break down uh, some of the things we have been thinking about as we've been going through this series on Paul. And next week, we'll be back with the second part of that conversation. I actually just pulled it up and split it off into its own audio file and realized I had way more uh, content than I thought I did. So uh, hopefully, uh, we'll, I'll be able to include all of that conversation, um, or I'll break it off into a third piece that I'll release sometime later on in the year with some other thoughts that I've been having. Uh, But as we go out into this week, I encourage you to keep one another in prayer. Keep me and Kevin in prayer uh, as I'm traveling and he's starting back for the new school year. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can always reach me at pastor at yadkinvilleumc.org. And you can always join us on Wednesdays with the Yadkin Lectio, on Mondays with the Yadkin Examine, and on Sundays or whenever. Uh, for worship, either at 10 a.m. on Sundays in person and on YouTube Live or recorded uh, for perpetuity on YouTube whenever you are able to sit down. So until we pray together again, may God bless you and